You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always... Typical Lydia. Today we're going to be doing a movie... I think it's our most famous movie that we've done so far on the show. Our most well-known. I suppose it would be. Yeah. 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 Man, there's like fucking t-shirts of this thing. Like like horror fans... T-shirts of Maniac, too. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I think that... Given the fact that it's got such a famous director, um, given the given the fact that it's so violent and notorious amongst horror fans, I submit that it's the most famous movie we've ever done. Well, definitely considering Peter Jackson. Yeah, it's like ridiculously famous now. Yeah. Although I don't really see it the way that it's laid out that the film has gained so much more attention since the Lord of the Rings films. Yes and no. People do know about it, but it's people don't aren't rabid about it. True. So I don't know. It is yeah, it's a famous film. Yeah. I don't know if it's the most famous film. That we've done? Mm. Really? Yeah. I think that it is, hands down. Yeah. Like I don't I, I can't even imagine. Maybe Maniac would be a, a runner up. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know, I'd like to do a streeter now and just grab a microphone and go out into the real world and be like, have you seen Dead Alive or Brain Dead? Like, I'd have to call it Dead Alive, I suppose. You know, my early days... Or Maniac. And a lot more people, I think, would answer Maniac right now. Back in my my college days, when I had to do streeters... Like last year? (laughs) When I was just a young little scamp with a propeller beanie and really short shorts... Um, I used to have to do streeters, and the first streeter I ever had to do was, what's your favorite movie? I don't think I had to do that. I think it was just, you had to ask a general question. And so I went to a parking lot, and I just started asking people that question. And one guy thought I was trying to ambush him into admitting that he ran street racing gangs in Ottawa. (laughs) Because that's exactly what your question was. Well, he said that he had spoken to someone from the media before and that they tried to paint him out to be some kind of a street gang racer guy, like Fast and the Furious style, like he's Vin Diesel or something. Then the other, another person was just like, I like Debbie Does Dallas. And she was really pleased with that answer. So people are no help. No, people are no help. My first streeter for CBC was... um, have you had a significant other buy you lingerie anytime recently? Cool. Which was a really insane question for a live on air CBC radio streeter. And to ask strangers. And ask strangers, yeah, downtown. And me being me, like I had a script to follow, but no. I was I dropped the script within three people and was just like, Hi, I'm from CBC Radio. What do you think of lingerie? And just like shove the mic right in their face. Not ask them if they got any recently. That would be my third question. (laughs) Because at first they were like, CBC Radio wants to know about my underwear. And it's like, yes, yes, we do. You got to warm them up. Yeah. You can't just go in with a spiel. It sounds like a sales pitch. True. Yeah. It's a lot easier to ask them something outlandish. At least get a laugh. Like... I had a lot of laughs that day. <laughs> and I had a couple, uh, they were going on about tidy whities. He was going on about tidy whities. And the wife couldn't keep her shit together. She just kept laughing. And I was like, what? You think it's so funny that your husband likes to wear tidy whities? And she finally stops laughing. And she's like, no, 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 you don't get it. He makes me wear them. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> right on. I like you guys. <laughs> yeah, it didn't get to air. So anyways, we're doing um, Back to the Fucking Podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, on today's show, we're going to be talking about Brain Dead or Dead Alive, I think was the US title. Yeah. And Brain Dead was the New Zealand title. I don't know why, because I would have 
first heard of it as Dead Alive, like anyone else in the West. But for some reason, my brain over the years has just turned it to Brain Dead, and that's how I always refer to the movie. Yeah, I refer to it as Brain Dead as well. And I was also in- introduced to this film by super horror geeks that were like making latex in their backyards and fake blood by the bucketfuls. And they were adamant about calling it Brain Dead because they were they were like that. Yeah. So, as we alluded to earlier, this is a movie that was directed by Peter Jackson, of course, who became massively famous for the Lord of the Rings pictures. And, you know, he did other stuff. Uh, the Frighteners, I think, was his. And District 9. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So... There were definitely... Wait, did he direct District 9 or was it... Um, did he produce direct District oh, 9? Oh, yeah. He would have been a producer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so and not only did he direct this, this a screenplay as well. And uh, he did it with his lady, uh, Fran Walsh, who... Well, so it's kind of... It's not a husband and wife because they're not married, but, I mean, they're together and they have a family. And so it's common law. For all intents and purposes, it's a husband and wife team. It's yeah, it's, a, it's like yeah. the Peoples that did, uh, like, David Webb and J- Janet Peoples. Whoever did 12 Monkeys, that was like a husband and wife. Oh, yeah? Uh, that. that was a husband and wife team. Uh, team. Um, and um, so uh, this movie came out in, oh, fuck, what was it? 92, 1992. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those movies that I was around for. Yeah, no, we established that we were about the same age when we watched it. Yeah. So I was like... What was your experience getting introduced to this movie for the first time? Oh, it was definitely horror geek friends of mine. We were all tossing around different horror films that we hadn't hadn't seen and swap lists, as it were. And there was a really cool video rental place in the small town I grew up in, and they had it there. They had ordered in all kinds of messed up horror titles. Mm-hmm. So if there was anything that we were suggesting to one another, it would probably be there or one other video store in town that was bigger and had a lot of horror so yeah i just went and rented it and then watched it like six times type thing really yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah for me it was like so many of the horror movies that i had watched as a teenager it was one of those things that i was directed towards by the internet um i know you're giving me this face because we were talking about how I grew up with the internet and you didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hear about this off the internet. Yeah, that's yeah. It, it. Was it was one of those things where I, uh, you know, I, I was just I don't even know exactly what I was doing, but it's one of those things that came to my attention via the internet. Um, so I did know horror fans as a teen. Evil Dead was introduced to me around that time, and it was by a, a, an actual person as opposed to an internet. An internet. An internet. It was an people. <laughs> as opposed to an internet. But it was definitely something that I sought out. And when I watched it, I was just like, wow. Yeah, I knew what to expect, too, because we'd been talking about special effects. And it had most of it laid out for me. I guess you'd had most of it laid out for you via the internet as well. So mm-hmm. it's the same sort of spoiler problem, right? Yeah. But we were talking about that intent to discuss the effects yeah. right so i i'd definitely seen um evil dead and evil dead 2 yeah at that point and owned probably evil dead 2 i least. had Ar- i had army of darkness but i didn't i didn't realize that there was it was part of a trilogy yeah okay I, interestingly enough that's weird yeah and it's funny because you watch sorry i'm gonna derail this for a second so you watch army of darkness and there's that whole opening sequence where it's obviously from another movie but i never put that together in my brain i loved army of darkness and i watched it every fucking day after school for a period of my life yeah and i was talking about it at school and uh and my friend says yeah that's one's all right but i really like evil dead 2 and 1 and stuff like that And i was like what's that what's that nice and and they tell me it's like well it's it's the third in a in a trilogy I was like, what? What? No way. Really? And he lent me his copies that he had on VHS, and um, and I watched them, and I loved them. And then I was like, oh, this whole sequence is from the whole opening sequence of Army of Darkness is the last bit of Evil Dead 2, 
And I never put that together in my head. And embarrassingly, I mean, whatever. We're all young once. And considering you had the internet. And I had the internet. Yeah. I don't know why you're judging me on having the internet. Like somehow your information is less valid because you could have found it in your living room. Yeah. No, totally. totally. I had to yeah, find I'm lording my... it over you. I don't even understand what you're lording over me. And to it go was... and have conversations with people out in the real world. It was harder for you to learn things than it was for me. You're fucking right, man. You know how much I hate people? <laughs> you're ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not that ridiculous. And um I know I, I think that it's it's pretty it's pretty casual in in its sensibility although one thing I will say the aesthetic of the movie is interesting because a lot of the characters seem to be dressed out of the 50s. I mean initially I was just talking about those greasers at the cemetery mm -hmm. but then when you get to the party scene towards the end I mean there's people there's women in house dresses that you would have seen in the 60s and the 50s and glasses and hairstyles that you would have seen within that era as well. Yeah, and considering the fact that this movie was in 1992 and um, even even watching it, you would get the sense that it might have been like 80s, uh, early to mid 80s that it was made. Um, but I mean, that's more to do with budget and... Uh, gear than it has to do with when it was made, but the way characters are dressed also make it seem like a much older film. And all the cars they're using and all the bikes and these, like, trolleys. I don't know if there's trolleys naturally where they are, but there seems to be a hell of a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. And not just for tourists either. Yeah. It's just, definitely... just getting around. The basic plot of this film is that we're introduced to Lionel. Yeah. Oh, we're going to start at the beginning? Of, of the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Or of the... the Do we have to get into the rampant racism? The like? inciting incident. Yeah. Now, racism is definitely a thing. The that jungle it, intrigue. Yeah. Let's call it just jungle intrigue. The Well, Aboriginal people? Yeah. Uh, they find, essentially, uh, what do they call A Sumerian? Sumatarian? Sumatran. It's a Sumat Sumatran rat monkey from Skull Island. So it's a Skull Island within somewhere. Sumatra. Yeah, and Skull Island, of course, a reference to King, King Kong, Kong, which, of course, Peter Jackson would have a hand in later. Uh, they find this rat monkey, and the anthropologist or, or archaeologist, whatever the fuck he is, zoologist, what is he? Uh, he's a zookeeper of some sort, isn't he? Doesn't yeah. he say that, what he is? I can't remember, but he... He's got papers and he's all excited about that. I know. Uh, tries to take this animal back to civilization to put it in a zoo. Um, there's a sense in this movie that he wants to get this animal back to civilization just for the virtue of the fact that it's interesting and he can make him rich. It sort of is what sparks all of the mayhem is this monkey rat seems to carry with it an infection. Rat monkey. Not a monkey rat. A rat monkey. I stand corrected. It definitely carries an infection. It carries... Even the locals know that. And that's another like really 1950s thing too, this rampant poaching and going in and just taking what you want yeah. from indigenous peoples. Yeah. Who understand the dangers of these things mm -hmm. and you get sort of the motif of like i'm the rich white guy and i'm coming in and i'm taking this and i don't care and i want to make more money off of this so we're introduced to lionel and his mother vera you could say that they have like a very norman batesy relationship if he didn't kill her yeah kind of because she is super super controlling and he's super super meek yeah um seems to be a, a woman of means has a very nice home very proper very uh concerned with appearance She's a socialite of some sort and definitely steeping in old money. Yep. Uh, uh, Lionel uh, meets a woman and it's so random because... Oh God, so this this woman works at, the, at a food store, like a grocery store, like a small version of that. Some guy dropping off like pharmaceuticals or something shows up and she seems to be attracted to him, takes off her coat... Yeah, me, primps and gets all like gets all pretty. Yeah. Um, her mother views this and then says, "Oh well, you want to find a man? You like that man? I'm going to read your fortune." And so she does the tarot card thing, and then it's determined that 
the person you're meant to be with will there'll be a sign a symbol star in the moon a star in the moon and so she meets this guy who comes in right after the dude that she's seemingly interested in and through a random happenstance he knocks over some pencils random he's a bumbling bumbler he's very, very urkel like oh super urkel and he's yeah totally like unaware of his surroundings yeah yeah the flailing goon yeah, it, which is funny because I anytime I see characters like this, I always wonder, like, how the fuck can you just knock over everything? Just cause chaos like this. So he knocks over some stuff, it creates a symbol, and then she immediately, no questions asked. It's like he goes from being this bother that she's rolling her eyes at to the absolute object of her affections. Oh, yeah, she turns into Insta-stalker. She, he just comes in for delivery for his mother. She delivers it to the house. Then, through a little bit of miscommunication, gets invited. Or, or she basically rochambeaus him into a date, a date, a date at the zoo. Um, the mother does not like this at all. The mother wouldn't like anything he does, the, of course. So yeah, that's a given. Falls into the zoo, and Bob's your uncle. She gets bitten by the fucking monkey rat. Rat monkey. Rat monkey. Rat monkey. Yeah. Um, it says right on the sign. Rat monkey. You know, that scene where they encounter the rat monkey just made me think about how unprofessional a zoo it is. First of all... Well, he's beating on the side of the cage saying something like, shut up, you feisty bastard or whatever. Yeah. So that starts on how vile the zoo is. It, it, well, yeah. First of all, why would you put an animal that's so dangerous to the other animals? How'd they even get it in there? I don't know. And 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 they keep it right next to the monkeys. This rat monkey kills a regular monkey. Mm. I know. It's super random. It's it's all um, stop motion. It's pretty cool. Uh, glaring, because the rest of the movie doesn't really have stop motion like that. Similar, but not quite like that, no. Yeah, so, uh, so, but I mean, it looks good for the time. Um, I'm a big fan of stop motion, so I, I, th- I always like it to see Yeah, it. it interacts with its environment really, really well. Yeah. And I can see where some people right there start to discount the film if they're not in for a penny and in for a pound, right? Mm. And they're not interested in watching what kind of film it ends up being. Right there, they're sort of like, what the hell is this? Claymation monkey rat? <laughs> his mother gets bitten, uh, kills the monkey rat, the rat, rat, monkey. rat monkey. I don't know why you feel the need to correct me, but uh, steps on it, kills it rather brutally. Yeah, and this is the first instance of weird bulbous eyeballs. Bulbous eyeballs. Love the bulbous eyeballs. Uh, not the first violence, because that uh, zookeeper at the very beginning of the movie got it. Yeah, but... yeah. Um, it hadn't really gotten heinous. It was pretty rough, but it wasn't ridiculous. Yeah, we had a nice hand chopped off, at least, and arm yeah. chopped off, like, done fairly well. So it was, like, bloody and stuff. But, yeah, it wasn't this this prolonged torture that the rat monkey has to endure under her heel. That set up how really, truly vicious Vera is. She is a vicious fucking bitch. Yeah, kills that rat monkey too sweet, man. and <laughs> And just, like, digs her heel into its head and... You know, it's it's not like she recoiled in pain and then I'm going to let the zoo uh, authorities handle this. She is like, this thing just bit me. You are dead. Mm-hmm. I'm going to brutally and slowly step on your head. Which is so weird because like, you know, only frames beforehand she was screeching at her son to come and chase a beetle out from underneath the stove. Oh, that's a good point. Really I never... manip- that's where like her manipulation right from the get go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not she's not a scaredy cat. She could have chased down a beetle, but no. She just didn't want her son to talk to a girl. She didn't want her son to talk to a girl, and now she's bitten by a rat monkey. Let that be a lesson to you. Yeah. Let your sons talk to girls. Or boys. Or boys. Whatever. Let your daughters talk to strangers in the street who are offering them candy. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, no. I'm but, just being silly. Um, uh, so this starts a very quick, shall we say, degeneration of his mother into what could basically be considered a zombie. Yeah, there's kind of four incarnations, but yeah. She starts to decay, doesn't seem to be completely in charge of her faculties. We're treated to that dinner scene. A lot of discharges, lots of 
pussy grossness. Her skin is loose. Her skin is loose. Her voice is not working. Her brain is not connected. Yeah, it just synapses are firing their last and she is pretty much gone and once she finally turns the movie's i would say descent into gushy madness begins we're treated to a lot of really great practical effects and it's just unreal even even if you had seen some violent movies before the level that this goes to the fucking cartoon levels of dismemberment yeah we're talking like old bugs bunny and we're talking itchy and scratchy yeah but i can't even think of cartoons that really hit that level of gore and i watch a lot of like horror anime that's like gore anime yeah and specifically seek that out and i can't think of a cartoon that's really as gory as dead alive ends up being but you guys had your stomachs turning and expecting my stomach to turn on account of the food bits over the ear in the soup. Yeah. You guys are all like, ew, ew, ew. <laughs> well, but I, you didn't say ew from the midpoint of the film on at all. We're all stoked as normal. But... You become desensitized to it almost, and it becomes so ridiculous mm-hmm. that you can't even find... We were eating pizza mm-hmm. while we are watching this movie. I'm just like, yum, 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 yum. Um, you have moments in this film, and, and honestly, the best moments in this film come a lot from the comedy you know the absurdity of the situation aside there's really great sitcom moments in this where it's things that i've really never seen duplicated somewhat um later on in in newer films like Shaun of the dead but this really came way before that treating zombies almost like like characters in of themselves and instead of and it's weird because you start them off and they seem very After Vera turns and Mm -hmm. kills her nurse that was taking care of her, um, the zombies slowly start to multiply. Lionel is kind of just trying to keep a lid on it, doesn't really know what to do, so the best thing that he can manage to figure out is to keep everyone sedated uh, with tranquilizers. And as the zombies keep increasing... He, like he tries to bury his mother, she gets out of the grave, kills a bunch of street punks that look like they're fifties greasers. 50s greasers. Yeah. Like they honestly look like you know, like they're from the movie Grease or something like that. The gang from Crybaby. Yeah, the gang from Crybaby, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And so uh, the the priest, the very famous uh, cult classic priest, that's just like I kick arse for the lard. He is there kicking ass in a great scene, an absolutely amazing scene. It always goes on longer every time I see it. I don't know why. It's true because I remember the scene kind of, in my head, I haven't seen this movie that as many times. Mm -hmm. And it's been a long stretch since I've seen it last. And so the, 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 the kung fu priest scene in my head is maybe like 30 seconds but it's like a couple of minutes of just martial art madness where he is kicking the shit out of these guys, eventually gets felled himself, becomes another zombie. And so you eventually get to this point where Lionel has his mother, the nurse, the priest, and the remaining gangbanger, thug, greaser guy yeah. sitting at a dinner table. The punk zombie. The punk zombie yeah. thing. The rockabilly. Yeah, he's like a rock. Yeah, more like a Fonz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just sitting there at the dinner table and they're acting almost like children or like either teenagers giving children are invalids of some sort and it's just another facet of his whole like Norman Bates kind of thing like everything's gonna be normal everything's gonna be okay we just need to get to the house everything will be fine I'll make some dinner just sit it'll all be better yeah and I'll give you your tranquilizers and they'll seem fairly sedated and it's fucked up you know like the the the, the greaser guy he tries to put the spoon in his mouth. It comes out the back of his head, and he's all confused. And he's like, oh, I want to eat. What's going on? And the nurse takes a bite of the food off the spoon from the back of his head. Yeah, and like the... matter and soup. Yeah, the nurses uh, and the priests are giving each other, like, googly eyes and want to get it on. And they eventually do. And enters this fucking baby character. Like, none of the sex really freaked me out when I first, first, first watched it. You know, the only things that really, really made me think 
you know, maybe, like, I should watch this with my mom and see what she thinks of this, was the priest's death. Because it was just so somber for, like, a moment when he was, like, impaled on the angel statue. And it was, like, so sacrilegious to me at the time when I was, like, 16, 17 years old. Yeah, it is. It is pretty rough, yeah. Yeah, it really, really was. It was the only thing that really, that was really shocking to me. Everything else should be triply shocking but once the priest and the dead nurse start making out at the dinner table mm-hmm. I'll, uh, that's where all bets are off for me what do you think this is my question when i was watching the zombie priest and the zombie nurse having sex mm-hmm. which eventually and rather quickly very quickly becomes this fucked up like kind of like a cross between like a human and a naked mole rat baby comes out of the nurse's body and now you have like this zombie monster baby I, like i can't help but wondering where mr jackson if i could ask where did you and your lady sit down and craft this scene i've written some messed up stuff in my in the stories that i've done but Nothing, nothing even comes close to what if, what if the zombies had sex with each other and had a baby and this baby becomes a Daffy Duck Roadrunner (laughs) fucking hybrid monster thing just and just like fucking giggle maniacally and cause problems. And then we can have this scene in a park where a grown man is just punching a monster baby. Yeah, because that's what it all leads up to. It does. It all leads up to. And why, Lionel, why, once you have this monstrosity in your hand, you're just like, I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it in a stroller. A pram. You're going to put it in a pram, and you're going to take it for a stroll to the park, where you take other children. Yeah. And you're going to try and commingle, at the same time, flee from general society, who might notice you have a monster baby. In, in your pram. And he and he's watching a other another mother like how it's interacting with its baby and he's like, Oh, okay, and he starts to try to mirror that. In this total Buster Keaton moment. Oh, it's very yeah. Buster Keaton, a lot of physicality with the stroller. And I honestly think that if anything, it comes from the intrinsic absurdity of the whole thing. So you're watching a guy with a stroller sort of just flail it around and you know, you would be mortified in any other situation, but because it's this essentially immortal monster baby thing, it becomes really funny, mm-hmm. really ridiculously funny. And you can't even, like, I don't even know what to say about it. Like, it's like very it, Mr. Bean. I'm glad that we've had Mr. Bean to help us interpret scenes like that. <laughs> it does. I mean, I think that a little bit of the motivation from the entire gestation of this baby and not only the, the end game of what you get to do with the baby and all the horrible things that you can do with a not human baby on screen. Um, perhaps they worked amongst the developmentally delayed or geriatrics where at uh, old age homes, you know, it's not necessarily just medication, food and rest. They definitely have to keep an eye out for the, the patient's sexual urges, especially if their faculties aren't present they may do some inappropriate things and i'm trying to not laugh because it's not really funny mm-hmm. but peter jackson has made it funny in taking those things that are a reality in places like old age homes and group homes and putting it into this dysfunctional family as it were this group home for zombies wayward zombies that lionel has in the basement you know i think you really just touched on something interesting because i've never put that together i've never watched this and said yeah it's kind of he becomes their caregiver for a good chunk of the movie. Mm-hmm. And while he tries to figure out what to do, and there are all these weird beats that just become funny because they're zombies. But it would be just not funny. And it, like, very, not very, even... very sad and a little scary if they were human. Yeah. Um, I grew up, my grandmother ran a group home for geriatric schizophrenics, and there was a reason why it was all female. Really? Yeah. Wow. This this took a dark turn. I know. We should remake this. <laughs> yeah. As a sadder version? As a much sadder version with actual, like, 
humans, not zombies. They're not infected. But no, it it does remind me a lot of actual personality traits in some elderly or very, very young humans. Mm. While all this is going on, they have... Uh, he's got an uncle, a very skeezy, what do you call him, like a flim-flam, grifter-type guy. He is like a grifter-type, and he is definitely just there because he smells inheritance. And he doesn't wash his hands when he goes to the washroom. <laughs> and all he cares about is stag films. He's just... Stag films? I've never heard porn referred to as a stag film. Oh, no? No. Have you ever seen it on, like, what, 8mm before? <laughs> no. Wow. What? Yeah, um... I've definitely heard real-to-real porn called stag films, for sure. Wow. Yeah. It's like the fucking dinosaur days. I know. No internet, real-to-real porn. I know. It's like, you just, I know. It's just like, I want to watch some porn. Can I string up the old... <laughs> Get out the projector and screen, honey. <laughs> projector. Yeah. I know. I guess, yeah, I'm that old. I didn't even bat an eyelash with all those Studebakers. <laughs> Well, this uncle character, real scuzzball, at the funeral, it is, he, he sees uh, Lionel's girlfriend, and, and he just instantly starts perving on her. He's like, you're too pretty to be a member of the family. Ew. Fucking ew. Yeah. That's so nasty. Yeah, he is super nasty through and through. Then he, then He's he got sh- boils on his face. He's yeah. got kidney stones, some sort. Or something. He's passing something. Yeah, this very, very ostentatious form of dress. Lots of tweed, lots of leopard print. Uh, And he does smell inheritance. And then once he realizes that Vera has left him out of the will, he becomes really enraged. And he starts to snoop around trying to see what he can find out. uh, And then discovers the basement full of... He assumes that they're dead. Because they've been sedated at this point. So he thinks that he has, uh, he's got one over on Lionel. And it's like, you have to sign the papers over to me. I get the house and the inheritance and all this stuff. Uh, he decides to throw a party. Well, yeah. I mean, it's his uh, housewarming because he's strong-armed his way not only into the inheritance, just all the property and everything. So her entire estate. So he, of course, throws a party. Since he got turned down by the sexy Latino that already had a boyfriend in his nephew. Yeah. He needs to find some lady love. Yeah. They get a little estranged throughout the movie because he's become focused on taking care of these zombies and uh, and is trying to keep this from her and trying to keep it from everyone. And so starts acting super sketchbook, starts um pushing away while he's trying to get more tranquilizer and yeah he looks like ass she encounters him on the road because she starts dating somebody else for a little well bit it's because... again it, it's the dude at the beginning of the movie that she initially yeah. liked yeah the mm-hmm. football player that talks about nothing but yeah yeah or yeah i suppose it's football or rugby, I couldn't rugby, remember. I, um, could... I was thinking rugby, but I don't know. It seemed like rugby to me, but I don't know anything. It's a sport. It's a sport. It's one of those sports that we've heard of. Yeah, sports ball. Sports ball, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so anyway, he plays the sports and is talking about the sports. She's on a date with him. He seems to be talking about, from the scene in the park with the baby, yeah. all the way to the end scene at the party. When she's it's getting still, dark out. He's still walking with telling talking about rugby or something like that i was like how long is this story but uh that's what brings her to the party and she encounters the uncle who pervs on her super hard there like tries to uh, like force himself on her yeah totally and gets kicked in the balls and then he gets goes beast mode he's so offended like you don't like my disgusting advances on you rage uh, it's fucking crazy. It is crazy. It's really ridiculous. But that's like where he was going. Right? That's, There's no, yeah, not no, many dimensions to that guy. No, that was very. It's very two dimensional character. Uh, and it basically goes to shit when she finally discovers what's going on. The undead in the basement—they're all tied to chairs. He. Lionel can't seem to bring himself to end his mother, despite the grotesque fucking monster she's become and the death that she is responsible for and by virtue of his inaction 
is responsible for. He can't kind of do what's necessary or he needs a little push to do what's necessary. That is to inject poison into them, which I guess he thinks would kill them. I don't know why. The, you're talking about people who've literally had their heads ripped off and disemboweled and they're not dead. So I don't know why he thinks injecting poison into them would kill them. But then again, the tranquilizers seem to work on them, which I've never seen that in a zombie movie before where it's like, yeah, we can trank these guys. Uh, so I'm definitely going to try it when the zombocalypse hits. Just for fun, you know. Moving See if I can. Moving on. <laughs> With all the tranquilizer I have. With all the tranquilizer you have. Yeah. Um, we also know that uh, Lionel very much views himself as the only person that his mother has because he believes that he was responsible for the death of his father, uh, who drowned years ago when he was a boy. Uh, we all know she's a manipulative bitch, though. Very manipulative. And this... Uh, and that plays a part later, but what ends up happening is he tries to put poison into these zombies and bury them into the basement. It's like a dirt floor basement. And <laughs> it was like an, it was poison. You roll the bottle over animal stimulator. Yeah. I don't poison to humans. Animals stimulation yeah. for animals. So now they become like just jacked up on adrenaline or something and they all burst out of the ground and they will not be contained anymore they're no they're no longer kind of funny you know they're like supra zombies yeah and they're like out to kill yeah they're not just dopey yeah yeah they're not just kind of dopey like fucking sitcom-y <laughs> zombie <laughs> I might characters accidentally bite your ear off ha, yeah. Ha. Do, 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 do. yeah that's my zombie <laughs> Um, they become very, very dangerous and then they break out of the basement and they immediately, this starts a massacre scene that goes on and on and on. And if you were to say what makes Brain Dead have the reputation of being one of the goriest, most splatter heavy movies ever made, it, if you were to take out this massacre scene at the end, it wouldn't, they would not have that reputation. No, it would just be a, a hokey jokey comedy. And it is a hokey jokey comedy, but it would be, yeah. It and would it's, be revered it's like for there's some score. gross bits before this, but nothing on this level. It becomes ridiculous. And as I was saying to you when we were watching it or afterwards, each one of the deaths that happens in this film. In this scene, sorry. Yeah, from the him coming from the basement with the Supra zombies. Yeah, um, becomes a set piece death. Something that one horror, any one of these deaths could be speckled out between thirty other horror movies, and that would have been their set piece. Oh my god, when this guy gets his rib cage ripped out or oh my god when this woman gets the fist through her face or oh my god the light bulb or oh my god the baby coming out of this person's head like like each one of these deaths all happen within a five minute five to ten minute period yeah that's only half of the really great things and that doesn't include some of the little tiny incidental deaths and like the head being kicked around and things like that just, and just some of the shit the baby gets up to it just absolutely it becomes bonkers it is off the wall looney tunes levels of ridiculousness with like gore slapped on top of gore it is just buckets and buckets of blood intestines jaws teeth rib cages hearts yeah fists through the head everything yeah just absolutely baby ridiculous through the head. baby through the head like think about that you've seen a movie <laughs> in which a baby bursts out of a grown woman's head and the grown, grown woman toddles around for a bit after her next victim, you, you've seen it, it you've seen a movie where a dude's entire rib cage gets torn out of him you've seen a movie where a dude gets his head cut off and a and a lawn gnome gets shoved into the neck hole um which with the whole the rib cage getting ripped, as soon as that scene happens every time i just wish there was another one right after it it's sort of like you know like chips like doritos like you know? double double rib cage scene yeah yeah, you just um, wanted to turn to the next person to the exact same thing. Lionel tries to get out of the room, and and one of my personal favorite scenes in the entire movie. Uh, I got a lot of I got a lot of favorite scenes in this movie, but him trying to run away from the encroaching zombies, 
and running in place because there's so much blood on the floor. It's slapstick. It is fucking ridiculous. It is car- it's a cartoon. He is running in the- in one spot that there's so much blood on the floor and he tries to remedy this by stepping on severed heads and limbs to get some traction. And 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 at this point it's funny because it it gets to the point where you're he's no longer even grossed out by what's happening. It's just whatever. I'm completely covered in blood. But that's nothing to say about the scene that's coming. And it's funny because um, a lot of the party members get totally disemboweled and ripped apart within the first few minutes. And then there's a bunch of additional scenes where people who are a little bit more wily, a little better at surviving. Yeah. Uh, his uncle is like his uncle becomes a, a, a skeevy perv dirtbag. Uh, or is that? And then he becomes like a fucking super sadistic, I love killing these monsters character. And honestly, the scene where he's just going apeshit and killing so many of them at once, and then he's on a, in a mountain of body parts and he's just lighting a cigarette. I was like, all right, I like him here now. Just, I still don't. I still like, don't. I know. And I can see that. And it is kind of cool. Sure, I give him that. But he's still skeevy pervert. I still just want one of those legs to kick him in the nuts one more time. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like, while all this fucking grotesqueness is happening, the baby is still running around like fucking like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's like that little, you know, the little baby dinosaur off that show, Dinosaurs. Do you remember that show? Yeah, of course I remember that Yeah, show, that's yeah. what that baby reminds me of. Yeah, good call. Good call. Mm-hmm. It gets, It's a very... Most most of the times it's a puppet. Other times it's someone in a suit. Uh, but it's very, yeah, it's very synthetic looking. And uh, yeah, I've heard people complain about the baby because it changes sizes and it changes its demeanor. And that's like their that. problem. Yeah, that's, you know what? Squint like, your eyes. It's yeah, fine. if that yeah. is like, I don't like this movie because the baby changes <laughs> sizes. I was like, well, okay, I guess if we're living in a world where you have complaints, and good thing the rat monkey's so goddamn accurate. Well, I know. Good thing good thing that people are getting ripped apart in ways that completely make sense. How long are your intestines? How thick are they? They're not I don't think that they're that thick. A guy's intestines become a different monster. Yeah, which is my favorite. He's so cute. I like that to me it's I don't understand what the genesis of that is. Like I don't understand why It's so zombied that it's zombied inside its zombie and it's got zombie on its zombie in its zombie and then zombie comes out and decides to just be itself. I don't think saying zombie as many times as you did explains it, but fine. Yeah, that's probably it's that's it. It's just so so full of zombie virus that it's zombified its actual guts and they're sentient beings all by themselves. Same way a severed hand can flop around all by itself, my guts can jump out of my body and go and preen itself in the mirror. Mm. Uh, and think for itself and plot and scheme. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a lot of rhyme or reason to why certain people are affected in certain ways. Uh, what is definitely clear is that it takes a lot to take these people down. Enter one of the most famous scenes from the movie. Um, Lionel returns to the party with a lawnmower strapped to his body and ref- and lets everyone know that the party is over. <laughs> you say it so, so matter of fact. Yeah, the best line in the entire film next to your mother ate my dog and I kick ass for the Lord. I, I, was, I kick ass for the Lord is my favorite line in that movie. But Mine is definitely your mother ate my dog. Yeah, that, that's a great one too. Uh, um, there's there's so many memorable lines in this movie. There's so many great characters. Uh, but this scene is just unreal. And fucking like the one part that that always gets me is when he's got so much blood and gore on him that he's it's just like you can tell that he was he was he like Jackson was just like or I want you to flail around just flail around and and boys get the buckets on him <laughs> and like and and so like everyone's just throwing buckets of gore on him and he's like whipping his hair around and like Super slow motion, super sexy almost, just almost as if he's just like, oh, I'm so wet. But <laughs> that's that's exactly it. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's definitely how it shot, but it's so fucking insane. Just the most blood and like gore. Because it's not just like, it's not 
blood in that you watch that scene from evil dead like plain liquid we're plain yeah, liquid blood it's plain liquid. chunky it's fucking well it's what would be coming out of the wood chipper in fargo it is a nice yeah. mealy gruel it is like a thick porridge of yeah paste it. just this yeah. tarry red pink paste that's just everywhere and it's and, and then he just fucking goes to town on these people and people yeah, People. they're they're like, and they're extra bloated zombies too, because everyone gets a little bit of weird bloat to them, right? Yeah. So they're like extra ooey gooey. Yeah, almost like floaters or something. They're like yeah, yeah extra ooey gooey. Like some people, some of uh, of the of the undead in this movie burst like they're water balloons. Yeah, they do. Like they drop from a uh, from a height, or something heavy lands on them, and they just fucking. That was one of my favorites too. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, the, some of the scenes happen so quick, you might even want to find yourself going back and watching the scene. Cause you're like, I can't absorb all of this. It's too much. Like it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, they don't linger on a lot of it too. Cause it is a lot of quick cuts and yeah. things like even things that could have, they could have spent time letting you see, like when the half the head falls on the floor right away, it's punt out of the frame. Like, yeah. There's a lot of that, a lot of really quick things that you want, you're you're shocked by, and you want to see more of, and it's out of frame or onto the next one, especially when he's walking through scores of them with a lawnmower strapped to his chest. Yeah, it it just becomes an absolute fucking bloodbath in the strictest sense of the word. Even modern super gory equivalents like and Piranha 3D, that's pretty gory. That's pretty good. Yeah, you yeah. know what? That it, Piranha, th- yeah, I would say the Piranha movies definitely are up there in terms of just sheer spectacle and amount of death. There's a lot of scenes in Piranha that remind that are that are hearkening to Dead Alive, particularly like the hair and the propeller where it pulls off a layer of that woman's mm-hmm. skin, which exactly happens in this. I mean, it's not like a, a propeller, a propeller but, yeah, but, it is but a it's, skin it's almost the skin sculpt. It, it's it's the it's almost the exact same special effect done and it's just it's fucking unreal just unreal yeah the flensing of people now there's 20 years between say piranha Mm -hmm. the contemporary piranha and dead alive yeah so it is still like it doesn't in my mind really hold a candle to it necessarily because they've had 20 years to work on this Mm -hmm. so yeah there are really really similar levels of gore and really similar effects and yeah. similar amounts of blood of course there's more blood mm-hmm. blood by volume in mm-hmm. prana but same like yeah same levels of gore but 20 years between the two mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome when you think about it it's absolutely incredible and here's the thing that is really important to to note more so than than anything it's that you could look at a movie like piranha and I like that movie. There's there's nothing really wrong with it. It's it's ridiculous, and I like it because of that. But th- the thing that Brain Dead has over it is it's not a dumb movie. It's not a movie that's plot doesn't make sense. It's not a movie that doesn't have uh, a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of metaphor in it. You can understand how Peter Jackson's became the director that he did and was put in charge of the massive multi-billion dollar franchises that he's been put in charge of because even in a movie like this where he was just like i just want to make a a splatter film i just want to make a gross splatter film there's there's setups and there's payoffs to everything there's payoffs in the plot there's play payoffs to the characters no character is superfluous no um yeah i mean sure characters there are characters that do exist to get killed but i mean they all have a function the lawnmower is foreshadowed at lo- tons of stuff oh everything fits everything Every, everything, everything fits. fits and then the really interesting final transformation of vera who becomes this super grotesque creature while lionel learns the truth about his father's death this is well, <laughs> you're making it sound like really, really intriguing drama, which it really, really is if you can get over all that splatter. But that's what I'm saying. It's like you look at this movie and you could say, okay, on the surface level, it's a splatter fest. It's gory. It's fucking ridiculous. He's punching a baby. What is going on? This is madness. But then you have a very sophisticated story underneath that about a a mother and a son, a son who blames himself for the death of his father and is now put 
in his mind, in charge of his mother's care. His mother who dominates and manipulates him up to the point where she is responsible for the death of his father. And you know that he witnessed this and was mm-hmm. so damaged by watching his mother murder his father and his lover uh, because his father was having an affair. Yeah, he's developed post-traumatic stress disorder. And, and he remembers it in such a way that he does know that it doesn't like he remembers it in the way of people drowning the way that they would drown in a tub. But he tells the story in a way that's like, well, I was fooling around and my father tried to rescue me and a wave at the, off the shore carried him away and he drowned. So like, that's 100% his fault. And he believes that what's happened to his mother is his fault because he went to the zoo. His mother followed him to the zoo if he hadn't have gone on the date with that woman, she never would have gone to the zoo. She never would have gotten bitten by that uh, rat monkey. And this wouldn't be happening. Again, he's blaming himself for that. And as his mother transforms into this giant creature, she attempts to... Well, first of all, she becomes a lot more lucid. She can finally... Yeah, she can, regains her senses entirely because she couldn't talk, basically, from the first dinner party. Yeah. Where she embarrassed herself terribly. I don't yeah. know how she'd ever live that down. Oh, I know. Yeah, I'm glad she continued changing into a zombie because... Yeah. 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 see those people out and about. If the, if, if the infection didn't kill her, the embarrassment certainly would have. True story. <laughs> you can walk around with a face like that. Gee, she could hardly put two sentences together. Now... And now she can speak almost in her normal voice again yeah and she is this 15 foot bloated giant titted monstrosity and she opens up her stomach and attempts to pull her son back into her body like it's so full of metaphor like it's crazy and and that is the sophistication that comes from a young guy that was going to become a brilliant filmmaker. It starts in these moments. It starts with this stuff. And I'm telling you that that's what makes this movie so great. It's not the fact that, like, oh, look, Peter Jackson did this. It's not like, it's like when people look back and say, like, look, James Cameron did Piranha back in the day. Look at that. Or, like, hey, look, Clint Eastwood's in The Creature Walks Among Us. Or, oh, hey, look, uh, there's, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio in one of the Critters flicks. It's not that. Yeah, it's not an oddity sideshow kind of like, oh, look at this schlocky little B-movie he made. It's not that at all. We all got to start somewhere. There is craftsmanship in this that became became like the hallmark of, of what makes this guy such a bankable director. And despite if people like the movies that he does now or doesn't like the movies that he does now, he makes fucking loads of money for studios and they will let him do whatever the fuck he wants. And And rightfully so because I think that he does just fine. Yeah, he does just fine. Um, To say the least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Peter Jackson, he did all right for himself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Break me off a little piece, Peter Jackson, just a little bit. I'm dying here. Uh, he so so like that is why this movie is important. It's 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 not just yeah, like you said, it's not this oddity. Oh yeah, it's, you can look back and see a lot of techniques that have stuck with him. Yeah, this time. and a lot of loves. His love for King Kong and old horror movies, huge big monsters. And yeah, huge big monsters, special effects. This some is, of the lighting angles and lighting tricks and just lighting uh, tone. And, yeah. Things like that. Mood set by lighting. Yeah. You'll see. Yeah. And and like I said, um, him and his lady, there was another uh, cr- uh, person that was uh, credited on the screen screenwriting, but I can't remember. It's a tight script. It's a good story. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is cartoon levels of gore and violence. And that can make you distracted, certainly. But if you pay attention to the plot elements of the story, they're solid and they work. Yeah, if you're not just highly distracted by all of the gore and things like that, some people wouldn't even be able to see some of the majesty in the lawnmower scene, as you had picked up on, and or just how really, really beautiful it is and how much gore there really is, and paying attention to the way that the individual zombies are reacting to being mowed down with a lawnmower. It's all really realistic, as oh, unrealistic as it is. Yeah. Uh, it's done really, really, really well, but I'm sure... And maybe if I could really, really remember back to the first time I saw it, 
how maybe that's why I think all these scenes are compressed, why we think the scene with Akigasa the Lord is so compressed because the first times we watched it, we were just dumbstruck. Yeah. I had never, I had never seen a movie up until that point that did the things that this movie was doing on the level that it was doing. Um, and, and in a lot of ways it becomes something that you're always trying to chase down again. It's like, there's gotta be more things like this. There's gotta be more. And there's things that are very similar. There's things that combine elements, but in a lot of people's minds, it started here. Mm-hmm. It started with this film. Um, the, like the comedy, the horror, the gore, it's just all so exquisite. Oh yeah. It's just blended so, so well. Like I'd seen a lot of blood in say The oh. Shining. Yeah, for there's sure. Lots of blood there. There's, for there's, a moment. Yeah, there's blood. There's blood galore. Yeah. In, in in all kinds of movies, but gore in like Evil Dead films. Oh yeah, absolutely. Lots of even blood. even the even the recent remake where it's raining blood. I haven't seen it. I haven't oh. seen it. I know how much blood they've used. Mm-hmm. I am very aware mm. of what goes down in the Evil Dead remake, but I haven't mm-hmm. watched it. You should check I'm it out. Interested. You should check it out. It's worth it's worth your time. Someday it might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I have time to spare. We're not sitting here talking to me? Yeah, exactly. Or thinking about talking about you. With um, you. Creepy. Yeah. yeah. Sitting there thinking about, hmm, when do I get to see Wes again? Oh my god. Hey, you haven't even petted my microphone once tonight. <laughs> Someone's got to do the fucking hard work of being creepy here. <laughs> what can I say? The honeymoon is over. It's because I put the fucking thing on it, isn't it? I put the thing on the microphone and you're not interested anymore. There's a there's a there's a sock on the microphone. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Is it like a sock on the door? It means I'm not supposed to disturb you guys. I'm supposed to leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've devolved to like frat house levels of fucking friendship here. <laughs> I'll just walk away while you fuck my microphone. Oh my god. You don't have to walk anywhere. You just watch. Ew. Like a cuckold while I <laughs> you can't satisfy this microphone, so I'll have to do it. You don't even have to tie me up. <laughs> me and my uh, roommates uh, were talking recently about um, how that'd be a pretty good di- uh, gig. Be a cuckold in one of those cuckold porns. I was like, I could do that. I could be the dude sitting on the couch while like this massive dude just like rails some girl in front of me. And I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no. Like, oh, God, why is this happening? I'm such a weak small man. I'll just sit here a little longer. Yeah, yeah. I'll just sit here a little longer. I'm sure they get money for that. Oh, probably. I don't know. It depends. That or he's just like, I'm just going to hang out, guys, okay? And it's like 100 bucks. It's like, hey, man, I'll give you 100 bucks if you sit in this chair while we shoot this porn and you act super mortified because that's supposed to be like your wife and you can't satisfy her because you got a small dick. And I'm like, I'm in. That or they're shooting in your house, and the guy's like, well, I want to be in the movie, too. They're like, cool, you can be the guy that sits on the couch. Sweet. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, no, what's happening? I'm so meek. I've never been more dominated in my whole life. Oh, no, your dick's so much bigger than mine, and you're fucking my wife with it. I'll never satisfy her again. You don't sound very interested in this, Wes. Oh, that, I, this, this is just prep. I'm warming up my cords. Before I give the real performance, that was free. That was free. That's, yeah, the other one, I, I have to pay you a hundred dollars to sit on the couch. Yeah, that's twenty. That's like twenty percent for the porn we're not making. For the porn we're not making, that's twenty percent. I want if you want hundred percent, hundred bones. Anyway, we're talking about something that was not about you being a cuckold in a porn. <laughs> what was it again? I don't know. Brain dead. <laughs> Do you think of anything more you want to cover other than? Maybe like the timelessness of it, not only because it's like set in an undetermined time frame, fifties ish, or something like that. Even their manner of dress is kind of timeless, and his hairstyle. Let's say, let's pick on his hairstyle. It's semi-contemporary. Her hairstyle isn't locked into like the illness of eighties films, where everyone has eighties hair, eighties clothes, mom jeans, and things like that, high top shoes. Mm-hmm. They're not locked into anything like that. So it really does endure that way, especially with films or television shows like Mad Men being popular yeah. and that rockabilly resurgence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't think of anyone who hasn't seen it in, in my circle of friends anyway. But if anyone has missed it for some silly reason or watched it 
in a group of people where they weren't paying attention to it at all and just laughing it off. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely deserves like more attention and deeper scrutiny. I agree. I think that it's a film that can and could hold up to that scrutiny. That's the thing. It definitely has a timeless quality to it. Um, it really should be on a horror fan's radar, for sure. Even if you don't like it per se, if that level of gore doesn't really do anything for you, or if you just want to be like a dick rebel and say, well, everyone says this is good, so I don't want to like it, um, you should at least acknowledge the craftsmanship. Yeah, if not, watch it and enjoy it for the people that had to scour the ends of the earth for the uncut versions and things like that back in the day when we didn't have the internet and had to wait six months for DVDs to be imported and things like that and order them into a, a DVD rental store because buying it yourself would just be too expensive. Or your parents <laughs> wouldn't let you. <laughs> yeah. I think my my copy of uh, Dead Alive maybe have cost me $5. Yeah. If yeah. that. Yeah. At least you know who you got to thank. Like you? Like, what, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. Now, now, now you're just like, just to let you know, Wes, <laughs> I'm better than you no. because I was born later or earlier. <laughs> you don't even know anymore. You don't even know anymore. I don't even know anymore. All I know is that you seem duly unimpressed that the internet helped me discover this. No, I don't really care. Yeah. I don't really care. We'll see. We'll see. I had real friends. You had internet friends. Whatever. Internet friends are friends. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I'm offended. Yeah, you got, you got insta pissed. I am offended, sir. <laughs> I should have taken the sock off the mic, okay? It's true. I'm yeah. not in my cuckold porn anymore. Yeah, you feel much better when you've got a giant dick right in front of you. <laughs> a big giant metal dick. Some might say that, yeah. Yep. I'm included amongst them. My favorite thing about this movie is that I take it with me when I travel a lot. I haven't for the past two years, but I used to take it with me when I traveled. So whenever I was looking forward to a bus ride of like four hours plus or whatever, I would watch Dead Alive. Really? On the bus or whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't like intentionally see if other people were noticing what I was watching at all. But it would happen from time to time. And I, I don't think any of them knew what I was watching, but they knew it was fucking gory, really gory. Yeah. Yeah, that's all that they could really tell. Especially from the middle on. Yeah. Yeah, the beginning it really kind of, like, with the exception of some scenes, looked like a pretty normal movie at yeah. a glance. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just a really fun movie to go. It goes pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And you can watch that end, the whole party sequence. Yeah. There's a lot a million of stuff. Times. To, there's a lot of stuff to absorb with that scene. Like I said, it's almost too much. It's almost a sensory overload yeah, of like violence. Jim Henson party scene. Yeah. Kind of, you know, Ewok party mm-hmm. level of detail going on where you could watch it a million times and still pick out fun things. More fun things to do with intestines. <laughs> and just how much blood he ends up getting on him. It's oh. exquisite. Oh. I really like the duality of the scene where where I was saying that they're they're just a match made in heaven, aren't they? At this point they're all just stoned on killing people. Well, zombies, and he is destroying them with a lawnmower strapped to his chest. Mm-hmm. And so he's grinding up zombies like mad and his girlfriend has finally gotten a hold of this stupid baby. Or by that point, no, she she wanted to blend the baby, but she has a guy the top of the guy's head. Mm-hmm. And so she's finally got something in the blender. And then she just starts sticking random body parts in there, I believe. So she's got gore all over her. So she's got another uh, propeller-type in- implement, mm-hmm. a grinding, blade, whirring, zombie-killing machine. Yeah. And they keep panning, like, from one to the other, cutting from one like to the other. Like zombie thresher for ladies. Yeah. A little tiny in the kitchen, too, no less. Yeah. Yeah, she's wearing not, a dress and an apron, I believe. Not very progressive, Mr. Jackson. <laughs> I suppose not. <laughs> I'm fine with it. It's cute. It's adorable. <laughs> it's really adorable. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's out there doing the yard work like a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> she's in the kitchen whipping up something to eat. Man, that's like a whole other. That's a whole other level to look at that, at too. In the playing house aspect. Oh yeah. Yeah. In, that's he's really good at it. He's a, he's the immaculate husband. He's cooking, cleaning, doing the yard work, getting everything 
under control, taking care of the vermin, as it mm. were. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez Louise. So I'm saying, man. It's amazing got... for me to be constantly rejecting traditional relationships, just adoring that and honing in on that and finding it just so adorable, probably because they're covered in buckets of blood. That's what you like about it? It's just like, oh, here's here's this aspect of of uh, normalcy that I want nothing to do with, but then you just make it about killing zombies and be everyone covered in gore effluence. Mm-hmm. Then, Awful. Yeah. Then, then you're like, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, now I know what you're talking about. Now I get it. This is domestic bliss. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Wes Knife. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.